Welcome to the Free Chapel Podcast. Let's get into this week's message. If you have your Bibles, open them up with me to the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to go to two places, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 14. In just a few moments, we're going to have communion together um, at the conclusion of this message. And so um, just want to make you aware of that. It's going to be great. We're going to do it together. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, I'll begin reading at verse, um, verse 14. It says this, so then, my dear friends, free from idolatry, flee from idolatry. I am speaking as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I am saying. The cup of the, the cup of blessing that we bless is not a is it not a sharing in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a sharing in the body of Christ? And then jump down to verse 21. It says this, you cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot share in the Lord's table and the table of demons. Now, first Corinthians one chapter over verse 11. This is the apostle Paul still speaking. And he says, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. And what he's talking about is the institution or um, uh, implementing um, the Lord's Supper here. And he says, I received from the Lord. Notice that. Who did it come from? From the Lord. What I, was pa what I have passed on to you, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup. And after supper, he said, this cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I want to talk to you here in these two chapters, chapter 10 and chapter 11. The Apostle Paul talks about these two particular, these two particular things. He talks about the table and the supper. He talks about the Lord's table, and he talks about the Lord's supper. Notice he describes the what type of supper it is, what type of table it is. It is the Lord's table. It is the Lord's supper. It represents the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But what the Apostle Paul is showing us through these two types in these texts is what they actually represent. When you talk about the Lord's table, listen, it represents our submission. When you talk about the Lord's Supper, it represents our remembrance. When you think of the Lord's table, it's a message of submission to his lordship. When you think about the Lord's Supper, it's a remembrance of his lordship. And when Paul opened up this text, he began to make a distinction, the scripture said. As followers of Christ, he's letting it known that we must give him total allegiance. We, as Paul explains, cannot have part of the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons, he said. He said we cannot eat at the Lord's table, which is, means communing with Christ and identifying with his death, but yet also drink from the cup of demons, which means I'm identifying with Satan and his works and that type of worship. Because the issue of these particular people that Paul is addressing, the scripture said that they were trying to worship idols, watch this, and worship God too. 
They were trying to live double lives and double standards. They thought as long as I miss, mix a little bit of God, long as I do a little bit of service, long as I go through a little bit of ritual routine that kind of, kind of, you know, kind of shows that I associate with God a little bit, uh, that, that's enough. But also I can live my life how I want to live it and still worship the other things of the world and still live how I want to live. And it's okay. At least I'm coming to church on Sunday. But Paul said that is not the way that it should be. And he is correcting them here in the Corinthian church and says, you have to draw. There has to be a clear line of distinction. Either you are for God or you're against God. Either you're going to sit at the table of God, come on, of the Lord, or you're sitting at the table of demons. Either you're going to drink from the cup of the Lord or you're going to drink from the cup of the enemy. You have to make up your mind. In other words, as believers, we cannot live with du duplicity and double lies. One thing on Sunday, one thing at SOD, one thing at conference, but also live in a whole different process life all throughout the week. There comes a point in time that we got to make up our mind that we are going to serve Jesus Christ fully and wholly. Come on, there has to be a separate. I know these aren't popular messages now, but there's been so much mixing and the watering down of the gospel and how we should, all in the name of acceptance. I'm sorry, the Bible still is filled with absolutes. There are certain ways that we have to live as believers and followers of Christ. Come on, holiness is still a thing. Living righteous is still a thing. Character is still a thing. Integrity is still still a thing according to the scriptures Jesus has not changed and he said there's got to be a mindset and a mentality that we have to live in a way that truly declares that Jesus is Lord of our life understand this that the Lord's table is a way of communicating that Jesus is the host of the table the one whose presence we meet at the table and the one who is being honored at the table why is that important? Because what in, in, these, in these Roman Greco times of the world, the, the religious folks that would worship the idol gods, watch this, they would often have tables that they sit and they eat from as a form of worship to the God. And each table would have some sort of description on it that defined the God that they were worshiping. In other words, if you would see it, it would say the table of this God or the table of that God. And the idea of it that who was, whoever was the God of the table was the God who was hosting the table. And when you sat at that table, it's the table that, that you, of the God that you worshiped. Why is that, that something? Because I think we're living in a time, and I know that we are, that we're living in a world and a culture and a society that wants to keep feeding us things, feeding us lies of the enemy, feeding us deception, feeding us, come on, all different types of philosophies and ideologies that's doing its best to try to discredit the Word of God. I'm going to preach on it. Discredit the Word of God. Keep feeding us with the attempt, especially to the church, to try to curb 
curb our spiritual appetite and dumb it down where we're just consuming anything. But what we have to realize, that's why the Bible said in Psalms 23 that Jesus, come on, the Lord is my shepherd and he would prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. In other words, I don't care how hell keeps trying to force feed the church and get us to stop and quit. God said right in the middle of all the opposition, I will prepare a table and I will continue to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I want about 20 people that still have a spiritual appetite for the things of God to give God a praise and I'll move on. Jesus, our response to the Lord's table is submission. And when you think about submission, it speaks, you have to understand the fact of God's lordship. What do you mean? In Acts chapter 2, uh, the apostle Peter is standing up preaching, and he said, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Notice what he said. He stood up boldly. He said, no, assuredly that God did this. In other words, you can't make him Lord. He's already Lord. That title has been taken. What he's saying is nobody voted him in. There was no board. There was no, no uh, majority vote. There was no council. It says, no, assuredly, this is who God said he was from the beginning. He was Lord in the beginning. Come on, he's Lord in the middle, and he'll be Lord in the end. Come on, he's Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. And here's where Paul, he, Paul went ahead and summed it up for all of us. He said, you have to know that Jesus has been exalted to God, and he He's been given a name that is above every name. Come on, a name, come on, above every name of the things in earth, things on heaven and under the earth and a name and every knee, come on now, shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Can I tell you what he's saying? That every tongue is going to confess. You're either going to confess willfully or you're not confessing by default. You're either going to yield yourself voluntarily to Jesus Christ or one day judgment will come and the Bible said every knee will have to bow and say you are Lord. So if you're black, you're going to confess him. If you're white, you're going to confess him. If you're, come on somebody, if you're rich, if you're poor, I don't care what your social status is, your economic status, where you come from, where you're going, how much money you have, where you live, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Every demon in hell is going to have to bow to the name of Jesus and call him Lord. He is Lord, Lord of all. Hmm. I feel like preaching now. It is the fact of his lordship, but we must understand the power of his lordship. This week, as we uh, celebrate Passion Week, it was during this week that Jesus, after he had had the supper, after he had gone into the garden to a place that he would always go with the disciples, it is then that Judas betrayed him and came with the temple police and all the soldiers to arrest him. And when Jesus saw these soldiers, the Bible said this, that when he looked out, he said, who is it that you're seeking? And the scripture 
said? He, they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And the Bible said, Jesus said, I am. And the moment he said, I am, the scripture said they fell back and hit the ground like dead corpse. Come on, somebody. He just said, I am. And what Jesus was letting them know, you better know that you're not in control. I'm in control. You're not in control of this situation. I'm in control of this situation. And the Bible said, Peter, he put, pulled out his knife and start cutting ears. And God looked at, and Jesus looked at Peter and he said, if you live by the sword, Peter, you're going to die by the sword. But he said, listen, if I wanted to, I'm Lord. I'm the, watch this, I'm Lord and I've got legions. And if I needed to call, come on, 12 legions of angels to my disposal, I could. But let me put that in perspective for you because one legion is about 6,000 soldiers. So 12 legions of angels would be 72,000 soldiers. In Isaiah 37, it says this, that one angel took out 185,000 men at one time. So if he can call 12 legions of angels, that's 72,000 angels, he can annihilate 13,320,000,000 men at one time. And that's more than the population of this whole earth. I'm here to declare that Jesus is Lord and his power endures forever. When his lordship was embraced, miracles were released. Matthew chapter 8, the leper came and said, Lord, you can heal me if you will. And he was healed. Matthew chapter 8, the centurion soldier servant, his servant was sick and he came to him and he said, Lord, my servant is sick. And the scripture said he healed him. And what I love is in Matthew chapter 15, the story of the Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman, as one of the gospel writers put it, the scripture said she was Canaanite. Let me explain that. She was out of covenant. She was considered a Gentile. She was considered an outcast, alienated. But the scripture said that when she heard about this Lord, this Lord, Jesus, the scripture said that she came and she said, Lord, thou son of David, I need you to heal. My, my daughter is distressed with a demon spirit. And the scripture said this, that Jesus answered her not a word. Act as he didn't even see her or hear. And the disciples said this, send her away. I want to make this note. Isn't it funny how quickly the disciples were, were wanting to send somebody else's problem away? I thought, what if it was your child, disciples? Uh-oh. You wouldn't be so quick to be dismissive like that if it was your kid. And I want to just say this time that we got to be careful. We got to be people of compassion. We got to people, come on, be merciful and gracious because I'm telling you what happens when it comes to your house. I don't want somebody to push me away. I want somebody to get me to Jesus. And the scripture says she came crying and she said, Lord, and she fell at his feet and began to worship and said, Lord, heal my daughter, the scripture said. And the Bible said that Jesus finally said, woman, don't you know that my bread, this is the children's bread. My bread is not for the dogs. My bread is not for the outcasts or the alienated. It's not to feed people like you in a sense. But the scripture said one more time. She said, Lord, yes, Lord, this is true. But watch this. But even, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's or the Lord's table. She understood something. I get that. But if you let me get under the table. 
the table represents his lordship. If you, he, She knew if I come under his lordship and if I only got a crumb because everything that's in the bread is also in the crumb. If I just get a little bit, if I come under his, come on somebody. She understood that if I come, un, notice when she came under the table, the demon came out of her daughter. Could it be that when we truly submit under the lordship of Jesus Christ, it breaks demonic powers and the demon, come on, and the enemy's power to loose off of our life. When she came under, the devil had to get out. That's the good thing about the, I'm, I'm going to prophesy that. When you come under God for real, real, hell has to go. Demons have to go. Come on, somebody. Frustration has to go. Lies have to go. Deception has to go. When you come under, God will cause things to come out. Here lies the struggle is because we're living in a time where people want Jesus to be Savior, but they don't want him to be Lord. Save me. Bless me. Promote me. Come on, favor me. Use me. But don't, don't deal with me. Don't deal with my attitude. Don't deal, come on, with my lying. Don't deal with my cussing potty mouth. Yeah, I am amazed at how many people call themselves Christian and cuss like sailors. Blankety blank, F this. F. No, I'm going to say it. Either you're doing it with your mouth or you're doing it with your post. One of the two is still out of the abundance of the heart. Come on, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak and the fingers tweet. It's one or the other. The Bible said, come on, somebody. We have got what is wrong. Come on, come on, somebody now. Come on, don't deal with my attitude. Don't deal with my character. Don't deal with me how I treat people. Don't deal with me in my, with my marriage. Don't deal with me how I'm not loving my wife as Christ loved the church. Don't deal with me how I'm not honoring my husband and loving him. Don't deal with me how I'm not honoring my parents. Don't deal with me about how I'm not raising my children up in the right admonition of nurture law. Don't deal with me how I'm conducting business in a shady way. Just bless me. No, Jesus is not a bellhop, a butt or made. He is Lord. And you don't come on somebody. He don't serve you. We serve him. And if you want him to truly be a blessing in your life, you have to come under his lordship. Lordship impacts my lifestyle because it means when you confess him as Lord, it means this, it means that I acknowledge and affirm. Let it be known that you agree with this. One translation said, you advertise your association with the Lord. Public representation and identification with my life and my lips. In other words, my life should speak more than my lips. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. And it's no longer me that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And the lifestyle or the life I live now, I live according or by faith in the Son of God. And I want to tell you, in a time that we just need to accept any type of lifestyle, listen, I'm all about loving people, but I won't, come on, I'm going to support the lifestyle that this Bible supports. A life that is lived according to the Scripture, according to what God says, and if that lifestyle don't line up, that lifestyle 
lifestyle is wrong and God is right. Let God be true and every man a liar. I love, I love, I love what, 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 what Diedrich Bonhoeffer said. He said, your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. I got to read that again. Your life as a Christian should make non-believers question their disbelief in God. There should be something about us. Every believer should have some birthmarks. There should be some, come on, some obvious things that have taken place in your life. The Bible said this, when, watch this, when the Pharisees saw the boldness and courage of Peter, notice when they saw it, they knew that they were ignorant and unlearned, and they concluded, we, we, listen, they concluded they must have been with the Lord. They said the only way that they can look like that, they can live like that, they can act like that, is because they've been with the Lord. Is there evidence on your life that you have been with the Lord? I promise you, if you've been with him in prayer, you've been with him in worship, you've been with him in this word, you've been with him in the house of God, you've been with him in fellowship and discipleship. I'm not talking about perfection, but he'll start showing through you. He'll start being seen through you. The Bible said that we should be written epistles known and read of all men. When Jesus is Lord, you obey completely. And I want to tell you the blessings of obeying is not always easy. Obeying can be difficult at times. But let me tell you, the Bible said obey, obedience is better than sacrifice. When you obey, God, I'm telling you, obedience opens the door of favor and blessing. Obedience is what pleases God. Obedience over time will result in a harvest. And listen to this. The ultimate expression of love for God is obedience. If you love me, obey my commandments. Don't say you love me and not do what I do. That's why he said, why call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I say? You're just calling me a name, but you're not living it in your life. Why call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things that I ask? Why call me Lord when you're going to live how you want to live? Why call me Lord when you're going to say what you want to say? Why call me Lord when you're just going to live life like you want to and never even consider me? And that's why he said, can I just go ahead and preach in the book of Matthew? He said, on that day, many will come up to to me saying, Lord, Lord, have I not cast out devils in your name? Have I not prophesied in your name? Had I not done works in your name? And he said, I will look at them and said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I love what the message says. The message says, you use my name for your God-sponsored projects. What I want from you is serious obedience to do my will. I don't want, come on somebody, to stand before Jesus and, have, and know that all I gave him was lip service and not lifestyle. Somebody said, the table. I got two people that are listening. Somebody said, the table is his lordship. The table I must submit to. And now he went from the table to the supper. What do you mean, Javon? The Lord's Supper, Paul said. 
He said, in the same way that the cross and the death of Jesus Christ, when he hung on the cross, he was the precious Lamb of God. It was actually symbolic of the Passover in the book of Exodus, where they took the lamb that was sacrificed and the blood applied, that God brought them out of Egypt and, and protected them from the destroyer. On the cross, when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, when we celebrate Good Friday, on the cross, it was, it was God's, when Jesus hung on the cross, it was our New Testament Exodus where the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, put himself there and shed his blood. Exodus means exit, to bring out. They were brought out of Egyptian bondage. When Jesus hung on the cross, when Jesus shed his blood, he said, my goal is to bring you out of bondage, to bring you out. And come on, and whoever, oh my God, he doesn't just bring you out. He's not just the God of exits. He's the God of entrances because the Bible said he brings us out of darkness and brings us into his marvelous light and transfers into the kingdom of his dear son. Can I just preach it like this? He'll take you from bondage to blessedness. He'll take you from brokenness. Come on to favor. He'll take you from being downcast and raise you up. Come on, somebody. He'll take you from being out and put you in because the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He is the God that brings you out and takes you in. He said, your response to this is remembering. What am I remembering? When I take the Lord's Supper, oftentimes it's a somber moment. But the first thing you have to remember that this is a celebration of victory. It's a celebration of victory. Revelation 12 says this, that I heard a voice from heaven saying, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of the brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast out and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Listen, and they love not their life to the end. We always hang on to the first part, but it was a threefold, the blood of the lamb, your testimony, and you not loving your life to the end. In other words, the Bible said the blood speaks, and what you have to be reminded of, your testimony is not, it is your testimony, but it's actually his testimony, his testimony of his blood and what it done in your life. And so when the enemy, notice the accuser, keeps trying to accuse you and bring you back into bondage and tell you you're not worthy, the, you have to overcome by the word of your testimony because every time you remind the devil of the blood of Jesus it rubs his defeat in his face that's why you got to declare I know you're trying to take my home devil but the blood I know you're trying to get me confused in my mind the blood I know you're trying to make me think I'm crazy and I'm going to lose it all the blood I know you want to tell me that, it, that that's even come on I'm going to preach this that's that foolishness stuff putting them pictures down in that altar that ain't nothing that's weird. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? The blood of Jesus. There's power when we speak and declare the blood of Jesus. Whew. See the scripture, listen to this. The cobra is a very poisonous snake. Um, and, and for centuries, its bite was, uh, was uh, I mean, an absolute death. But in India, there was a the, the cobra where it was most prevalent. The government discovered that a certain breed or strand of Belgian horses, listen to this, 
was immune to the bite of the cobra. And the cobras could bite these Belgian horses and not affect it. And they learned that by allowing the horse to bite them, the blood of the bitten horse would produce a certain serum that would in turn immunize the person bitten by the cobra. Oh, I want to tell you that humanity years ago was bit by a serpent called the devil, that old serpent. It wasn't a cobra in India, but it was the serpent of hell. And the Bible said that because of that bite, death reigned, God, oh God, on all, all humanity for years. But there came a day, it wasn't a Belgian horse, but it was the Lamb of God that came into this world. And he said, I'll take the bite of the cobra. He said in terms, inoculate me with the sins of all humanity. Bite me with drugs. Bite me with alcohol. Bite me with addiction. Bite me with hopelessness. Bite me with sickness. Bite me with disease. Bite me with infirmities. Bite me with disappointment. Bite me with suicide. Bite me with anger. Bite me with everything you got. And I, my blood come on somebody and in terms it will be my blood the blood of my blood that becomes the antidote for humanity and when the blood is applied I will remove the bite of the serpent and give you life and life more abundantly who's thankful for the blood of Jesus the Bible said that communion is a proclamation not only that, it declares our dependency upon God. Before God, I get there, it speaks of our redemption. The scripture said we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That word redeem means buy back. We were sold into the sla in slavery of sin, the scripture said. And the only currency that was acceptable to buy us back from the clutches of hell was the blood of Jesus. His blood was the price that was paid. And I'm glad to redeem means to buy back because when he bought, purchased you and I, he bought us as is. Oh, some of you have bought some things as is. You've gone into stores and they have end caps and they have things in the middle. You go into furniture store, they have sections and, and well, as is and oftentimes as is, either the packages has been opened or the package is broken or it's missing a knob or there's some scratches or there's some chips. And what they have determined that because it was not the way that it was originally created, that now its value, it, it, has, it has lost value, so we can reduce the price of it and sell it cheaper. But some of you are good builders. Some of you are good fixers. And you'll walk into a home goods to the as is, and you'll see a drawer that's missing a knob, that's got a crack on the corner and some scratches. But you said, I can get a knob at Home Depot. You said, I got a little putty for that corner. And my background is painting. And I'm going to go ahead and buy this as is. Mm -hmm. Listen, they think it's trash. But what I see is treasure. Oh, they don't understand. They think they're giving me a discount. But their discount is actually what they've discredited.
And the reason why you'll buy it as is, because you know when it gets in your hand, what it can be. Now, I want to tell you something. If you, being human, know how to take something as is and have a vision of what it could be with your Home Depot working self and your Lowe's Home Project self and can make that thing look good, what can God do with a life that the world has said has lost its value because it's got scratches and brokenness and messed up and has lost its legs? I'm going to tell you what God said. I will take the broken pieces and turn it into a masterpiece. He's not just the Prince of Peace. He's the Prince of Pieces. And his name is Jesus. And he's Lord. I want to tell somebody. It's a proclamation of dependence also, real quickly. Psalms 121. The scripture said this. When I take this Lord's Supper, they're going to put it up. Psalms 121. It's saying, it's, it, watch this. It speaks of my dependency. It says, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Watch this. Go back to that verse. Yeah. Go back. Yes, right there. Have you ever noticed that was a question? It said, where does my help come from? You have to understand the context of this text. In this question, he's not really questioning. It's almost like, where does my help come from? Notice what he said. I will lift my eyes to the heels. The reason why he said that was because during those times, the government officials, the ones who were in control, their offices or headquarters or place of operation were in the hills. They were in the high places looking over the city. And what this psalmist is actually saying, he's saying, when he said, where does my help come from? He was actually saying, does my help come from? from an earthly source. I will lift my, heel, my eyes to the hills. Does my help come from an earthly source? Okay. He was saying, let me make it plain for you. He was saying, my help does not come from the White House. My help does not come from Washington, D.C. My help does not come from the government. I'm going to preach it. My help doesn't come from politicians. My help, he said, this is where it comes. It comes from the Lord. My help comes from God. The, come on. He says, I am your helper and I am your keeper. The help you need from your for your family, it comes from the Lord. The help you need for your business, it comes from the Lord. How am I going to love my wife as Christ loved the church with the help of the Lord? How am I going to raise my children in 2023 with the help of the Lord? How am I going to prosper and be blessed in the middle of all hell breaking out? My help comes from the Lord. And he said this. He said, he's my help. He said, I depend on him to be my helper. But catch the next verse, my keeper. He said, the Lord will keep me. Listen to that. 
He said, he will not let my foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. And it says, the Lord of Israel will not slumber and sleep. And this blessed me right here. God is a helper. Hear me when I say this. But God is also a keeper. He went on in that text and said, I'll keep you from evil. I'll keep you from the wicked one. I'll keep you from the, the tactics of the enemy. I know that God can restore. I know that God can revive. I know that God can bring back. But I want to tell somebody this morning that God is also a keeper. What do you mean? God can keep, listen. God can keep you from falling into the traps of the enemy. God can keep you, young person, pure, that you don't have to give yourself. Oh, come on, somebody. You can, he can keep you pure till you're married. He can keep you sane. He can keep you mentally locked in. He can keep you, oh, you don't hear what I'm saying. God is, okay, you want scripture? Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you holy before God. God. God said, I can keep you in a time where it feels like nobody can be kept. He's a keeper. He's a keeper. I said, he's a keeper. No, he's a keeper. You're not getting it yet. He's a keeper. Some of you are here because he's a keeper. Some of you are in this service because he was a keeper. He kept you from giving up. He kept you from throwing in the towel. He kept the devil, come on, from taking your life. He kept you when drugs and alcohol should have taken you down and beat you down. You're here because he kept you. Last, the Lord, it represents, watch this, it represents provision. Provision, what do you mean, Javon? It's a reception of his provision. Notice Jesus was called the bread of life, the scripture said. Bread represents that it satisfies. Bread represents that it's sustenance. Bread represented the provision of that time. And what Jesus is saying through this Lord's Supper, watch this, that I am your provider. Watch this. Ephesians says this, that Jesus Christ has already blessed us. Listen, already, past tense, blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, it's not that your needs will be met. When he hung on the cross, your needs are already met. Can I tell you, are you, are you hearing me? Can I tell you that right now, God has already provided everything that you and I, when we take that meal, is to remind me I've already provided everything that you will ever need in this lifetime. Listen to this. John, third John says this, one and two. I wish above all that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. He says, I want every part of your life to prosper, your soul to prosper. Come on, prosper emotionally, prosper mentally, prosper physically, prosper spiritually, prosper financially, prosper maritally, prosper relationally, 
prosper. Come on, ministry. He said every area and what he's saying, when I died on the cross, it was all inclusive. As you stand to your feet, I'll end it with a story. There was a man who was wanting to travel from Europe to the United States years ago. And his only means of transportation to travel in those days was to get here was by an ocean liner. In those days, it was hard for transportation. And he worked and worked and worked and worked till he saved up enough money to buy a ticket on that ocean liner to get to the United States. But as he bought that ticket, he also took a suitcase that he packed it with cheese and crackers. And as he got on that boat and boarded that ship, they took off. And every night and every day, they would have these big meals. If you've ever been on a ship, you know how it is, cruise ship. And that night they would have the captain's dinner. And every time they would have these dinners, this man would go over to the corner. He'd pull out that suitcase and he'd eat cheese and crackers cheese and crackers until one man noticed him over and over again he's like I don't want to be rude but I need to ask this gentleman so we approached him he said sir I notice every time that we're having this meal that you're sitting over in the corner eating cheese and crackers he goes do you mind me asking what's going on and he said you know we have this banquet don't you and the man dropped his head in embarrassment he didn't even want to look at him. He said, well, I worked hard. and I saved up the money, but all I had enough to buy, all I had enough was, is to buy the ticket. I didn't have enough to purchase the food that was on the ship. And the man trying to be respectful, he kind of, you know, laughed, but he didn't want to embarrass the guy looked up and felt totally disrespected and that he was insensitive and he put his arm around him he said friend let me tell you something what you got to know is that when you bought the ticket the ticket was all inclusive and you paid for everything on this boat including your meals it came with the price that was paid that you would have sufficiency from here until you reach your destination. You don't have to eat cheese and crackers. You've already paid the price. Come on in here and enjoy this meal with us. Why did I tell you? I'm afraid that there are a lot of Christians that could be living a life of eating cheese and crackers, living beneath the covenant blessings that Jesus Christ died for on the cross because we don't embrace him fully. I want to tell you when he paid the price, it was all inclusive. And he said, not only did I get you a ticket to eternity, he said between now and to when you get there, I provided every meal, every provision, everything that you'll need from here until you get to your destination. God, let us not live as believers on cheese and crackers when he's given us the Lord's table of bread and wine.
partake of that table and of that supper is to remind you, listen, that's not cheese and crackers on that table. <laughs> no, that's full provisions for you and your children and your children and your children's children. Because he said, I wished above all that you would prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. I want all of your life to be a blessing and I paid for it on the cross. Give him praise right now for his table and his supper. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. It helps this podcast reach even more people. Free Chapel can now be your home church no matter where you live with Free Chapel Online. Watch weekly messages from wherever you are with your family and friends, join online small groups, volunteer, and more. Plus, there's weekly content for youth and kids. Join today by downloading the Free Chapel app or head over to freechapel.org online. And a special thanks to those who give generously to help us produce weekly content like this to reach the world with the message of Jesus. If you'd like to partner with us, you can give by clicking the link in the description or on our website and app. God bless you and we'll see you next week.